Hello and welcome back to the podcast. In this little episode, we'll be talking about my picks for the NCAA tournament. I'll be giving you my official bracket and seeing who will win the national title. Also, I'm going to be doing my MLB preview for three more MLB teams, as well as another NFL team review, as well as give my opinion on some of the Rated moves so far made in the NFL. Some of them have been great. Some of them have been alright. Also, could be talking about Drew Brees retiring and looking back at his legacy as what he has left behind in the National Football League. As well as give my NBA Team of the Week and NBA Trash Can of the Week. Well, here we go. Episode 12. Welcome to March. Alright, let's first talk about the retirement of first potential and should be first ballot Hall of Famer Drew Brees. So Drew Brees has announced retirement after a very solid career in the NFL where he is ranked either number one or number two in most passing categories. He finished his career with 7,142 completions, with a completion percentage of 67.7, with 80,358 passing yards. He had 571 total touchdowns, with a rating of 98.7. Looking back at the career of Drew Brees, he started his career in as a quarterback for the San Diego Chargers back when they were in San Diego. Had a pretty solid career there for a few years, and then we all know what happened to him. He had this shoulder injury, and he was eventually replaced by Philip Rivers, and he was let go by the Chargers, mostly due to fears that his shoulder would never recover. During his free agency in 2006, he had two options. He could have gone to the Dolphins or the Saints. The Dolphins didn't want him. Well, his training, the, the training staff was afraid that his shoulder hadn't recovered fully or they couldn't. It wouldn't recover completely, so they passed up on him. So he ends up signing with New Orleans. And history was, as they say, it's all they wrote. And from there, it was just history. Drew Brees, and when he signed this in 2006, obviously made an impact right away. Got them to a sorry, struggling franchise to the playoffs early on in his tenure there. And honestly, he had such a huge impact in that New Orleans community after the effects of Hurricane Katrina. And, of course, he got to help lead them to their eventual Super Bowl championship in 2009 over the Colts. And and just throughout his career, he go he kept going forward, playing great football throughout his career, breaking records, setting new milestones, while being such a fantastic leader on the field. I mean, you see, I think anyone's heard his my dub moments when he's giving up his team a pump up speech. You know what happened? He, he's just fun dude. 
He's just a great leader on and, off, on and off the field. And what I think Drew Brees will be remembered for in the NFL is a great quarterback who came in every day, gave everything he had day in and day out. He gave so much for his community in the New Orleans area as well. He gave it his all, as I said, on the football field. Helped deliver New Orleans a very, very well-needed deserved championship in 2009. And probably the biggest thing is that he gave New Orleans a glimmer of hope. Every year since Drew Brees got there, and especially after the Super Bowl in 2009, you had a feeling that the Saints had a chance to compete almost every year with Drew Brees there. He and the Champagne combination in New Orleans has been so something fun to watch, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Saints move on without Drew Brees. I know they had Taysom Hill. They re-signed James Winston a couple of days ago. Like I said, it's going to be hard to replace a guy like Drew Brees. All right, so I want to talk about a few of the big free agency signings before I start digging in some of the smaller ones. First one, I want, first free agency signing I want to talk about is the Cam Newton re-signing in New England for like a one-year, $13 million deal, I believe it was. For me, it makes a little bit of sense. For two reasons. I believe there's two reasons that the Patriots could have done this. One, Bill Belichick actually believes in Cam Newton and wants him to be quarterback of the future, but it's a one-year deal, so it's a proven deal to get him a long-term deal down the line. And obviously what what the Patriots have done in this free agency, giving him more weapons and all this great stuff, there's really no excuse for Cam Newton not to perform this year. Or two, this being a one-year deal, do the Patriots draft a quarterback and use Cam Newton as a bridge quarterback? I mean, we'll have to find out. If, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Is it likely the Patriots draft a quarterback? I really don't know. It'd be interesting to see if they do draft a quarterback. Do they use Cam Newton as a bridge, or are they really thinking about sticking with him down the line? Like I said, I think this answer, will, this question will be answered around the draft time when the Patriots are on the clock. But those are really the two options I see with Cam Newton for the Patriots at this time. Another big free agency signing that I found interesting is that Aaron Jones resigned with the Green Bay Packers for a pretty big chunk of change, making him the, I believe, the fifth highest running back in the league. And for the Green Bay Packers, that is a really, really good thing. There are many reasons. One, Aaron Rodgers ain't getting any younger. Gonna be interesting to see where his arm strength is as of right now, going into next season. I think it would be just fine, but I think the Packers would like to take a little bit of load off Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Jones is the type of running back that you can go in and, you know, give him the ball 20, 30, 35 times a game, and he'll do his thing. 
It's also another big, another weapon they can use. Aaron Rodgers can use in the passing games. Aaron, Aaron Jones can be devastating in the passing game if the right play is called and all that other stuff that, you know, game planning, basically. Do I think this is a little bit of an overpay for a running back? I mean, he is the fifth highest paid running back in the league now. But I could say it's a little bit of overpay, especially since they could have signed Jamal Williams. A little bit of a cheaper deal and got the same kind of productivity out of him, but it is what it is. The Packers thought they needed to resign Jones. I think Jamal Williams went and signed somewhere else. So I think the Packers really like what they have in Aaron Jones, and they're going to stick with him, and they paid him the big bucks. Me and I really want to believe in giving running backs the big money. So, it's interesting to see what, how things end up in Green Bay. Personally, for Green Bay, this might be a make-and-break type deal for them. Me, personally, I think they should also go after a guy like Kenny Galladay, who's also still a free agent, to go alongside Devonta Adams. But, as of right now, I don't know if they're going to make a move on that. So, we'll just have to wait and see. On that, a lot of free agent moves were also made by some pretty interesting teams. First, let's talk about one of these signings, and it is the Titans signing Bud Dupree to bolster their pass rush. And honestly, that as a very solid pick for Tennessee Titans, Bud Dupree has been a very decent. Solid pass rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are loaded with pass rushers. So, and Bud Dupree is probably up there with up there in the upper echelon pass rushers on that team. So, bringing him into a team organization that desperately needs a pass rush, Tennessee, great job. He did something good. Let's see how more he can go down the line. You're probably going to need a little more than that on the defensive end, though. But Bud Dupree is a great start. Great start on that side of the football. Some other free agency signings. Obviously, the big story is in Tampa Bay. where they, There's a big stuff in Tampa Bay where they pretty much got the band back together. They got a goblin back, I believe, on a franchise tag. Bear, the pass rusher, Barrett, he, he's coming back on a pretty decent contract. Obviously, Gronk come back, is coming back as well. And I think the I don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be quite finished with their spending spree. If I'm being honest, I think it's a little more they can do to bolster that team, so they possibly go back, try a try and go back to back and try to win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Another team. That's going on a little bit of a spending spree themselves is the New England Patriots. Now, this might be the most exciting free agency that New England Patriots fans have witnessed in a pretty long time. Obviously, y'all been dominating for years. Now, this year, you guys got cat space, and you guys weren't very good. So now, here's Bill Belichick going out and making some moves. Obviously, you got guy. He went out to guys like. Mills from the cornerback from the Eagles. He's going to be. He can be a very solid number two corner next to Stephon Gilmore. 
So that that probably booster is secondary. That's going to be a little. That was a little weak last year. Also signed a few big wide receiver pieces in Nelson Aguilar, he and Kendrick Bourne. Honestly, very solid rece- receivers that can do and can throw too, and they can definitely push push down the field. Those are pretty big deep threats. Also picked up a few tight ends, so it's kind of looking like the revival of the old Gronk Aaron Hernandez type thing. When they signed John Smith from the Tennessee Titans and Hunter Henry from the Los Angeles Chargers, that's going to be quite one heck of a tight end duo in the upcoming season. And they also signed Judon from the Baltimore Ravens on the defensive side of the football. That is a very solid pickup on a defensive end on a team that could use a little bit more help in that department. Now, the big frequency setting, well, I'm big, is uh, I want to talk about this one because, whew, Seahawks fans, you can rejoice a little bit about this one because the Bears, after a reported heavy and aggressive push for Russell Wilson, decided, you know what, let's just sign Andy Dalton to a one-year, $10 million deal. And now the Bears are stuck in a weird situation where their two, their two quarterbacks are now Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Mitch Trubisky's out of the picture. I believe he signed a one-year deal in Buffalo. So that was interesting. So, yeah. So the Bears, I don't know what's going on in Chicago. Uh, they cut Kyle Fuller, very solid corner a couple days ago. And now that Hakeem Hicks has, looked, has been given permission to seek a trade, so Chicago, their offseason has been very weird. But, Seahawks fan, you can rejoice. Russell Wilson stays for another year. You all went out and made some pretty decent moves as well. You got Witherspoon from the, San Francisco, the corner from San Francisco. He's been a very solid corner throughout his career. He's always been a solid number two throughout his career. It's going to be interesting to see how he performs up in the Northwest, competing for, I guess, the number one spot with DJ Reed. I don't know. Because Griffin's out of the picture now. He signed a massive deal in Jacksonville. Good luck to him down there. Also, you guys traded a fifth-round pick for Gabe Jackson, an offensive lineman from Oakland. Man, that is an outstanding pickup. For the offensive line, I believe in 2020, he only allowed two quarterback hits all year long and gave up zero sacks. So that's something to be very happy about in CL, where the offensive line has been definitely been a weakness over the past few years. Also, y'all were here. Also, the Seahawks were signed putting it forward to a two year deal. So that's going to be very exciting to see. I've been a big fan of Puna Ford up in Seattle. He's a very, very underrated run defender up in Seattle. Also, some interesting signings. Patrick Peterson, he signed with the Minnesota Vikings. So that is some big-time secondary help up there in Minnesota. So they addressed a little bit of the issue they had up there the past year or so. Kyle Rudolph signed a deal with the New York Giants. So that gives Daniel Jones another solid weapon up in New York. 
And then there's still a few solid free agents still out there. Obviously, I mentioned Kyle Fuller. He's out there still. Kenny Galladay is still out there. Many, more, many, many more free agents to look at. Looking forward to signing a big deal before the season begins. It's going to be very interesting to see where these players go. All right. Now it's time to give my NBA Team of the Week and Trash Can of the Week. For the Team of the Week, I am going to give this award to the Miami Heat. Yes, I'm going to go with the Miami Heat again. They have just been impressive offensively, especially with Jimmy Butler back. They have been solid. 8-2 8-2 in the last games, and they're starting to gain ground in the Eastern Conference. I have a special shout-out to the Charlotte Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks, as well as the Milwaukee Bucks and New York Net- and Brooklyn Nets. Those teams have all been played pretty good basketball as of late. As for my trash can of the week, I mean... Really, I, I was really just, just tossing it between these two teams, but it came down for trash can of the week. Down between the Toronto Raptors and the Indiana Pacers, but ultimately I decided to go with the team that is lower in the standings, and that will be the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors are in a weird spot right now. Honestly, they're definitely not where they want to be. With this core of Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Fred Friendly, and others. And since the All-Star break ended, they've been playing they've been playing some terrible basketball on the defensive end, I believe. They've lost games to teams like they've lost to the Hawks, the Hornets, the, the Bulls. And the Pistons. I mean, that's pretty bad. You lost to the Pistons. That honestly was the reason why I picked them as the trash can. It was very close, but the loss to the Detroit will not be ignored. Honestly, this team is in a weird direction. Obviously, you got some solid young players in Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, but you also got some veterans that could be worth something with the trade deadline coming up. We guys like Kyle Lowry, who's been rumored has some interest from contending teams. Kyle Lowry could really have some contending teams, and you could get a little bit of draft capital from him. If not, some other solid players. So look at the look at the trade deadline coming up soon. Maybe they make a move to get Kyle Lowry for some assets. Maybe trade some of their other veteran players like Powell. Get some assets, but it's going to be very interesting to see what the Raptors are doing because they are nowhere near where they need to be. As a ball club, I don't think they have this right. They will make the playoffs. They are currently at the 11th seed, but who knows? This is the Eastern Conference, but the way they've been playing basketball the past few games, especially on the defensive end, I don't think they're good enough to make a playoff push. I think they need to go into a pseudo-rebuild. 
get rid of the veterans, bring in some assets, and build again. But yeah, those are my team of the week and trash can of the week for the NBA. It's going to be interesting to see what they come over for next week. Because there's been a lot of good basketball being played by a lot of good teams. Alright, let's get into another NFL team review. And for this episode, uh, this is going to be interesting. This week, we have the New York Jets, who finished with a record of 2-14. and 14. And it's going to get the second overall pick in the NFL draft. Now, what can you really say about the New York Jets? This season, they were absolutely terrible. On both sides of the football, they were def- they were in contention for the first pick all year long. And then out of the blue, they won some games. They beat the Rams and they beat the Browns. Two Again, two games they had no business winning. But they ended up winning that game. They should have finished over 16, but I don't know what happened with the Rams. They had an off day that game. And then against the Browns, they were hit with the virus. So... It is what it is. They got those two wins on, I guess, shoot, luck. Or Adam Gase knew he was out and decided to, like, screw the Jets on the way out. But Adam Gase got fired for a lot of NFL fans, especially Jets fans. They're saying about freaking time. Dude had no business being an NFL head coach whatsoever. Man has been terrible everywhere he's been, and he's been a quarterback graveyard. I mean, look at Ryan Tannehill in Miami with Adam Gase. He was terrible in Miami. Got out of there, went to Tennessee, and now he's amazing. He's a great, he's a pretty decent quarterback, as you guys, we've all figured out. But his replacement is Robert Sala, of the former defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, and I absolutely loved this hire. The New York Jets actually did something smart <laughs> as an organization. I think they brought in a guy who can get a team fired up day in and day out. I think player, players absolutely loved him in San Francisco, especially the defensive players. They believed in him. And San Francisco defense, with all those injuries they had this year, was still a top 10 unit in the NFL. Think about that. I think he's going to do everything's power to turn around the New York Jets as quickly as possible, though it might take some time. And there's a few questions on the offensive side that they need to figure out. First, they need to figure out the rushing attack. The rushing attack was pretty much dead last in the NFL because, well, let's just say this. The, the, leader of the, the rushing leader last year was old-ass Frank Gore. Frank Gore, man is old as dirt at this point in his NFL career, and he was the leading rusher of the team. That is bad. That is really bad. So they got two first-round picks. I think they need to spend the first-round pick on, I guess a lot of people are assuming the quarterback if they don't stick with Sam Darnold. Honestly, I think they will end up trading Sam Darnold. To get some draft capital, draft Zach Wilson or Justin Fields in the number two pick. And then they got that first round pick from Seattle. 
I think they used that pick to draft a running back. I don't know which one they go with. It's a toss-up for me. Honestly, they can go with Najee Harris with that draft pick to solve to get Robasala's guy at quarterback and his guy at running back. Get the backfield secured first. Another thing they need to do is get weapons for whoever the quarterback will be, whether it be Sandarm or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or whoever it is. There are rumors of them talking to Juju, Smith-Schuster, so that'd be an interesting pickup as well. Also, also, they can go out to some more weapons in the draft. This draft is heavy with great offensive talent all, all across the board, so it could be interesting to see what they do. With, with that, and they could trade Sam Donald for a high second-round pick or late first-round pick. I think they could pick up a solid weapon for whoever the quarterback is for the New York Jets, and if they sign Juju Smith-Schuster, as they've been rumored to do so. For the, for the Jets next season, honestly, I don't see them being a playoff contender or anything like that. For a while, but give it a amount of gaze. Hiring a guy like Robert Sala is a great first step for the New York Jets to getting things back on track. Honestly, they need to figure out their quarterback situation and they need to stock up on some weapons. Honestly, they also need some work on the defensive side of the football, but like I said, they got a guy like Robert Sala, so that I think the defense can be patchworked until they can figure out something on the defensive side of the football. But that is my New York Jets recap. Next week should be an interesting team to talk about, but I'm not going to spoil it. you got to listen to the next episode whenever it comes out to see who I'm going to be talking about. All right, we're on to the MLB team previews, and the three teams I've got to preview today are the Toronto Blue Jays, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes, three random teams out of the blue. And honestly, I'm starting to run out of time before opening day begins, so next episode I might just throw a big old MLB preview special to wrap up the rest of these teams because I'm running out of time before opening day. But for now, let's start with the Toronto Blue Jays. Last year, the, the Toronto Blue Jays made it to the playoffs in a short season with a young core led by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bichette. Bo Bichette. And honestly, I think this team has a chance to make another run at the postseason. Now, the big question is, is this young core ready to take the next step into a playoff contender in a regular season setting? I believe they are. They're only going to get a year better, and a lot of these young players already look great going through spring training as of right now. And there's also, they've also, the Blue Jays have also brought in some solid players. Okay, pretty good players. In George Springer, who is a huge addition to that outfield, it makes the outfield core a lot more athletic. Brings another power bat to that lineup. 
And also gives you a solid leadoff guy who can set a really good tone for the Toronto Blue Jays. They also got Marcus Simeon, who is also a very solid offensive player on a good year. He's also a very solid defensive player. And he's going to definitely help that Toronto Blue Jays middle infield defense because, let's be honest, I don't think the Toronto Blue Jays middle infield defensively was that great last year. For me, the rotation is still a little iffy for me outside of Hunjin Ryu, but I think they're good enough to keep the Blue Jays in ball games, especially with all that firepower that the Blue Jays have. The bullpen, however, has gotten a whole lot better. They got guys like Kirby Yates, who is, probably, who is definitely one of the better relievers in baseball. In my opinion, he's top five for sure. He's probably going to step into that closing role and fit in pretty well in Toronto. Also, they got guys like Dave Phelps in there, who's also a very solid pitcher as well. Where do I see the Blue Jays? I got them finishing in sec. I got them finishing in second in the American League East. Honestly, I believe the American League East is gonna be pretty weak this year. Outside of the Yankees, so I think the Blue Jays have a chance to contend for that second place spot. Do I think they might the playoffs? It's gonna be very close, but for this season, I have the Blue Jays around. An 83-79 and 79 record, which could be good enough to get them to the playoffs to spend, depending on how strong the American League really is. The next team on the list is the defending world champions, Los Angeles Dodgers. And let's just be honest, they are still the favorites to win not just the division, which they're going to have to hold off a very strong San Diego Padres club, but also favorites to win the whole thing again. Honestly, they still have solid death across the board. They also have, honestly, a very dangerous lineup still with Bellinger, Seager, Muncy, Turner. Chris Taylor, you want to throw him in there as well. Mookie, obviously, who's going to be competing for the MVP this year. They lost Jock Peterson in free agency, but I think they can live with that with guys like Gavin Lux coming up, and he's going to produce at a very high level as well. And the rotation, it's just got ridiculously better. You think it was scared of war. They, also, they now added Trevor Bauer in there, who is a Cy Young winner, probably another Cy Young candidate going into this season. So, have fun dealing with Bueller, Bueller, Bauer, and Kershaw as your top three pitches in the rotation. And they still got solid pitches behind them as well in the rotation. So, have fun with that, guys. So, for the Dodgers, I do have them competing for a World Series title again. I think they could win the World Series again. I have them as a 105 and 57 ball club. They're going to win 105 ball games, if not more, this year. And the last team on this list is it's going to be an interesting one to talk about is the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals, I believe they are the favorite to win the Central, but it's going to be a lot tougher than people think. There's not, I mean, you look at the Cardinals, you look at the whole Central, and you don't think. Wow, this is gonna. This is a very quiet division, to be honest. 
The Cubs are going to be pretty decent this year. Obviously, the Brewers are going to be up there as well. Maybe the Reds, if they can figure some things out, but we'll talk about that at a different time. But the Cardinals, they made the biggest splash in the National League Central with the Nolan Arenado trade. And for me, that's more than enough to make them the favorite in the Central just because they bring that impact back that they so desperately needed in St. Louis. And it's going to be very fun to watch Nolan Arenado try to try to uh, push away that little course field nonsense that we always hear about year in and year out. The rotation is going to be very interesting to watch. Obviously, Jeff Flaherty is a great player, a great pitcher. He's going to be the ace again. It's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the rotation does. It's going to be interesting to see how the bullpen continues to develop or get better over the year. And also, it's going to be interesting to see some of these other players develop, like a Tyler O'Neill. Let's see if he can continue to develop this game because I have high expectations for Tyler O'Neill. I've seen this dude play live, and he was phenomenal in that one game. I've seen him play. But the other big question is, can they compete in the National League? Obviously, I mentioned the Dodgers. I don't think they're better than the Dodgers. I don't think they're better than the Padres. I don't think they're better than the Braves, and I don't think they're better than the Mets. But I do have them as the best team in the Central. Can they compete? Maybe. If they get hot, not at the right time, but as of right now... I don't know. I really don't know. I have them at 82 and 80. I think they're barely going to be 500. I just don't see this division being that great. So 82 and 80 might be good enough to win this division. So, yeah, that is basically it for my LB previews for this episode. And I don't know if I'm going to continue doing these three at a time, so I'm just going to push it all out. In one big old episode, like I said, opening day is coming up, and I need to get the rest of these previews out. So, there's that. Alright, to wrap up this podcast, to wrap this little podcast episode up, let's talk about March Madness. Last night was the first four, and my goodness, were those some competitive games. I mean... What a start to March, right? I mean, Drake beat Wichita State in a very close contesting game that came down to the final shot that Wichita State missed. UCLA had a major comeback against Michigan State to beat them. Uh, so we had Norfolk State taking care of business against Appalachian State. And Texas Southern with a very solid performance against Mount St. Mary's. But... Now, the big show begins. Today will be the first round, beginning of the first round, and I cannot wait. So, I am basically going to give you all my bracket. Why am I doing it the day of the tournament? I don't know. But just so you all don't think I'm BSing y'all and you can catch me up. Catch me slipping up saying, oh, I picked this team to win it all. When you have proof that I picked this team. But this is my live re- live per bracket pick picks for this March Madness. 
All right, let's start in the West. So, obviously, in the West, I've got Gonzaga over the 16 seed. Norfolk State, I don't think Norfolk State's going to give them much of an issue. So, yeah, I've got Gonzaga moving on to the second round. Then I got Oklahoma over Missouri. Creighton over UCSB. Yes, I got five being a 12. If there is going to be a 5 12, I said, I don't think it's going to be this one. I've got Virginia over Ohio. USC over Drake. Kansas versus Eastern Washington. Oregon versus over VCU. And Iowa taking care of business against Grand Canyon. In the second round in the West, I got Gonzaga over Oklahoma, Creighton over Virginia, Kansas over USC, and Iowa beats Oregon. In the Sweet 16 on the West side, I got Gonzaga over Creighton, and yes, I'm being boring. I'm picking Iowa over Kansas, and in the Elite Eight, I got Gonzaga over Iowa to take Gonzaga to the Final Four. To the South region, I got Baylor over Hartford. No questions asked there. I got UNC over Wisconsin. I'm going to take Winthrop over Nova. Yes. Big but big reason for that is that Villanova is going to be without one of the better players. And Winthrop, I believe this will be one of the best chances for a 12-5 upset in this tournament. And I got Purdue over North Texas, Texas Tech over Utah State, Arkansas over Colgate. Even though I believe people are saying this could be an upset opportunity, I don't see it. Arkansas is going to take care of business in this game. I got Virginia Tech over Florida in the 10-7 matchup. Personally, I think Virginia got, was a little, was kind of gifted with that seven seed. I don't think Florida is that great for team. That is why I take Virginia. I'm gonna take Virginia Tech over Florida, and obviously I got Ohio State over Oral Roberts. In the second round, in the South, I got Baylor over North Carolina, Purdue over Winthrop, Arkansas over Texas Tech, and OSU Ohio State taking out Virginia Tech. In the Sweet Six, Sweet Sixteen, I got Baylor over Purdue and Ohio State over. Arkansas, and I got Baylor being Ohio State to get to the Final Four. All right. In the East, I got Michigan over Texas Southern, LSU over St. Bonaventure, Georgetown over Colorado. Again, Georgetown's been ridiculous, playing great basketball. Just look at what they did in New York in their conference tournament. Georgetown can beat this Colorado team. I honestly believe that. I'm going to have Florida State over UNCG, BYU over UCLA. Texas is going to take care of business against ACU. UConn's going to beat Maryland, and Bama's going to beat Iona. Then, this is the only one CIC going down before the Final Four. Michigan will fall to LSU. In the second round, if LSU plays 
decent enough defense. LSU is a team that can score with any team in the country. If they play decent enough defense, I think they have the talent to knock off a Michigan team in the second round. Then I got Florida State ending Georgetown's run. Then I got Texas taking care of business against BYU. And I got Bama beating UConn. And then in the Sweet 16, I got Florida State over LSU. And I got Bama taking care of Texas. And I got Alabama in the Final Four. Now in the Midwest, I've got Illinois over Drexel. Don't need to talk about that much. I got Loyola Chicago beating Georgia Tech. Especially now with the uh, report that there's a little bit of a COVID issue with Georgia Tech. I got Tennessee over Oregon State. Again, that they won't be a 5-12 upset. I got Katie Cunningham and the Oklahoma State Cowboys taking care of business against Liberty. San Diego State beating Syracuse. West Virginia taking out Moorhead. I've got Rutgers beating Clemson. Yes, Rutgers beating Clemson. And I got Ohio State. I mean, no, State. Houston beating Cleveland State in the first round. In the second round, I got Illinois over Loyola Chicago. I got Tennessee over Oklahoma State. I got San Diego State over West Virginia. And I got Houston over Rutgers. And then I, I got Illinois taking out Tennessee. San Diego State upsetting Houston and getting to the Elite Eight, where they will fall to Illinois. Semifinal four is Gonzaga, Bama, Baylor, and Illinois. And then I got Gonzaga taking care of Bama, and I got Illinois taking out Baylor. And then Gonzaga is going to win the national title. I think this is finally the year they get it done, and that's it. I think they finally get the job done. They will win by a score of 93-91. to 91. I think it will be a high-scoring game. So, yeah, that is my March Madness bracket. And <laughs> we'll see if this is the first perfect bracket we'll see in our lifetimes. I highly doubt it. But, hey, that's the fun of the thing about March. You never know who's going to win these games. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So we'll see how it goes for next week. Decide what I do with these MLB team previews. Do I just wrap them up next week or do I just keep going with those little three, three teams a week thing or do I put more per week? Obviously, we're going to have another team NFL team review, another NBA team of the week, and trash can of the week. And hopefully some more agency news when it comes to the NFL side. But that's it for this episode. Y'all enjoy March Madness. I know I'm going to have a lot of fun enjoying these great games coming up here in a few hours. <laughs>